Hello. Can we hear me now? Hello. Does that sound better? All right. Amen. I always love to start speaking off this way. Gives me great boosts of confidence. But I appreciate Brother Wally giving me the opportunity to speak tonight. Um, always love to preach, and it's always an honor to do so. I uh, wanted to give like a quick testimony. I know there's, I mean, a lot of you guys know me here, uh, but there's been a lot of people who have joined the church who don't know me. Um, and so, grew up in Hamilton over here, um, born and raised, still live there with, uh, with Caitlin and some, my son Jackson. Uh, grew up in a good household where my parents, they both stayed together. They're still together to this day. Taught me to do right. They both loved me very much, but did not grow up in a distinctly, you know, biblical household. Uh, you know, my grandma, who we all know is Meemaw all around here, you know, we jumped around to a couple different churches uh, in the area, a lot of Church of God, Pentecostal churches, and uh, I knew God was real. I knew some of the stories of the Bible. Uh, one of the things that she taught me well is she'd give me $10 a month, and every week I would tithe a quarter, so I, you know, she taught me how to tithe, but not much else. And uh, one night I went down to the altar, and don't know why, you know, it was a pretty emotional uh, service. If you've ever never seen a Pentecostal service, YouTube it. Uh, pretty interesting to watch. But I went down, and uh, man, all these people came and they laid hands on me, and I mean, it's going nuts in there. Um, and it felt like an eternity, but probably for five minutes. But I got up, and everyone told me like, "Hey, you got saved." Meemaw said. Buddy, you got saved. Congratulations. And I was like, awesome. That's cool. I didn't know what I was going on, but I got saved. Awesome. So for the next couple of years, you know, me and my old ask me, we'd be going to, are you still saved? And because, you know, Pentecostals believe you can lose your salvation. And man, my heart would just drop to the floor. Uh, I didn't know what it meant to be saved, really, but I knew whatever she was talking I would always just lie and say, yes, me and mom, I'm still saved. Um, but I knew I wasn't. And a couple years go by, my brother starts coming here uh, in, the, in the youth ministry, and he's older, and, you know, we finally sit down one night, I was about 11, 12 years old, and he, he led me through the Lord uh, with one of our red tracks. And so, you know, if you don't know how to lead somebody to the Lord, you can read someone that track just like he did, and it'll, it'll work if God's in it. Shortly after, I started coming here, and you know, truly my life changed. You know, I, I wasn't quite old enough to really look at uh, my life and say, man, I, you know, I was living in sin, and the Lord changed my life, but... You know, I can look back, I mean, I love coming to church, I love the youth group, um, love being here, and uh, man, went to our Bible Institute, felt called to preach in 2016 at our, our Bible, uh, where are we going, youth trip, and um, I work on our buses now with the, the, some of the bus kids and the bus ministry in general, and work with the sixth graders in our Sunday school class, so very, you know, blessed the Lord has uh, used me in ministry here, but as I look back, you know, anytime I think of myself to be good, which, you know, I'm pretty prideful, I, I would assume, you know, I look at myself like I'm, I'm pretty good at what, it, you know, who I am, but I can always say that anything good in me or in my life is because of what Jesus done, has done for me, yeah. and anything bad in me or in my life is me, <laughs> in my natural state. Um, to jump into the lesson here, for the first time in my life, I went to the beach for a vacation. A lot of you guys, a lot of you guys go to the beach all the time, once a year. I had never been to the beach. Uh, we went to South Myrtle Beach, and uh, still would have much rather spend time hiking or you know sightseeing, uh, going to you know we're we're big in national parks. I'd much rather do that than go to the ocean. But I had a great time. 
And uh, one of the days I was out there, I was getting in the ocean, I was like, man, this is salty. You know, you hear salt water and you don't really think about it tasting salty, um, but it was gross. And I was trying to, you know, I'm not a big floater. I don't float. I think pretty much immediately. And, you know, I'm trying to, I'm like laying on my back, I'm trying to float in the ocean and I, my legs are completely underwater and I'm like, I'll hold my breath to keep my torso and arms up. And, um, you know, I hear this all, you've heard this all the time. You've heard like a lot of preaching, you've heard these illustrations where, you know, you talk about your, if you're on a floating, and you're on the ocean, you fall asleep, you'll wake up a lot farther away than you thought you would have gotten. Now, I, I didn't like float down the shore or float out to sea, but and I'm sitting on my back for probably five or 10 minutes and man, I look up and I'm probably 25 yards away from where I started. And it like, it blew my mind. I was like, I'd never been in the ocean. So I'm, I'm thinking, man, I didn't really know how true that was. You know, life works this way, too. You know, it's already August, right? You know, I, I'm, not a big, I'm not a big, like, I have all these New Year's resolutions. But, you know, I had some things I wanted to get done. I'm looking back. I'm like, man, I better, I better pick it up. It's already August. I only got six months to, you know, quit smoking, get that six-pack I wanted. Uh, but in all seriousness, we're this far into the year, and it doesn't even feel like it's been that long, honestly. Like, I was talking to Kaylee the other day. I was like, I cannot believe how far we are into the year. Now, unfortunately, this is what happens with our relationship with the Lord from time to time. We've all been there, and we're almost in a degree, constantly in a state of drifting away from God, whether it's just a little bit in our hearts where no one else sees it, or where it's to a drastic degree where, man, you're you're clearly not caring about what the Lord has to say uh, in your life. And thankfully, there's a plan in place for us to come back to God at all times. No matter how far you drift from God, there's always a place back to his side. Tonight, we're going to be talking about, and this is something that was on my heart for a long time. Like As soon as the preaching schedule came out, I was like, I want to preach on this. Uh, Luke 15, we're going to be talking about uh, the parable of the faithful father, prodigal son. Um, but we're really going to focus on the prodigal son and some of the, the steps that he takes to get back to, to his father. And so uh, if you want to go ahead and stand for me for the reading of God's word, uh, if I had to pick a title, for tonight, my thought would be getting back to God. Nothing crazy, but getting back to God. We're in Luke 15. We're going to start in verse 11. The Bible says, And he said, A certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided them his living. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country, and there wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent himself into the fields to feed swine. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husks that the swine did eat, a nail man gave unto him. Let's pray. Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for this day. I want to thank you for everything you've, you've done for us, Lord. Thank you for sending your Son. And Lord, uh, thank you for the Holy Spirit that lives inside us today. I ask that you would speak through me, Lord, that uh, I wouldn't speak of myself, but I would speak of the things you've put on my heart. And God, tonight I just ask you to be with everybody here, that they'd have an open heart, open mind, and Lord, that they would be ready to receive the message you have for them. And God, if there's anybody here that's not saved, Lord, please let them get taken, that taken care of tonight. Well, God, just be with me and um, be with the rest of this, our evening. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So we jump back to the beginning of Luke 15. You know, we see that you know, Jesus is sharing this parable 
you know, not to his disciples, not to his, you know, closest friends, the apostles. You know, in verse, uh, you know, chapter 15, verse 2, it said, in verse 1 actually, Then drew near unto him all the publicans and sinners for to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes murmured, saying, This man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. And then verse 3, And he spake this parable unto them. And then it goes through a couple parables. It's the parable of the lost sheep and then the lost coin. And then we get to the parable of, you know, my study Bible says the lost son. I crossed that out and I put the faithful father. Because that's, that's really the focus of, of the story is the, the father. But uh, we look at the prodigal son here and the lost son. And he's, he's telling this, this story. Have you ever heard a parable? The definition is that it's an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. Jesus often taught in parables because if you think back to any time you've heard preaching, if you, if you think back to any of the best sermons you've ever heard, you know, a lot of times they have some great stories that you remember. You may not remember the title of the message, you don't remember any of the points, but you remember the illustrations and the stories that they used. And I'm sure God did that on purpose. You know, if you want to go listen to great stories, uh, I'm not one of them, but David Gibbs, man, go look that guy up. And he was here, he was talking about his mom, you know, going to get those buses. Like, I mean, that's like the only thing I remember of his sermon. But it, it, it helped me remember, hey, God can move mountains if we pray. But there's a, remember, there's a reason I remember that story and not his, you know, three points in a poem. And so Jesus often taught in parables. But Jesus is telling this parable or the story about a father and his two sons, mainly focusing on the younger son here. This younger son you know, like all young men, I've been there, uh, probably thinking, he's like, I'm a grown man. Dad, I'm a grown man. I'm living in your house, but I'm a grown man. He wanted his inheritance. He was telling his dad, hey, dad, I, give me the money that you're going to leave for me. You know, I, I'm ready to leave. I'm ready to get out of here. He was telling his dad, hey, I want you to act like you died, all right? I want you to act like you died and just give me the inheritance you would give to me if you just died. You know, what a slap in the face to his father, right? I mean, Jack's like two months old, so there's no chance he's done this yet. But, I mean, imagine you, you dads, if your son just is like, hey, I basically wish you were dead. Give me the money that you were going to leave for me. That would be a slap in the face. He raised his son and provided for him for years and years to get this treatment. But, nonetheless, and surprisingly to me, you know, we read in verse 12, and he divided unto them, meaning, you know, the, the younger son and the older son, is, li- is living. I thought that was interesting. I said to both of them, I mean, I guess that would only be fair that both sons get it, right? And it seems though a few days later, this younger son, he packs up his stuff. You know, I can just see him. He, he's putting all his stuff in his bag. And then I probably, if he got all that inheritance, he probably has some type of card. He's loading this thing up and he's saying, man, dad, I'm getting out of here. You know, I'm leaving dad's house and I'm going to go live the world as a grown man. I know what I'm doing. And we see how he decides to live his life while he's far away and it says verse 13 and not many days after the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country i mean he didn't just move down the street he didn't move across town he went to a far country he said dad not only do i wish you were dead i literally don't want to be anywhere near you i don't want to be anywhere near my life growing up here and he gets to the point where he's not only gotten off track in life we'd all say yeah he got off track but he's completely hit rock bottom in verse 16, it says he would fain, I looked that up, you know, it says to, to with joy or with pleasure, eat the husks and the slop that they fed the pigs. But it says no man gave him. I mean, what a horrible place to be in life. 
And I may be wrong, and I won't ask you to raise your hand in case anyone has, because that would be embarrassing. But I'm sure no one here has gotten to the point in life where they wish that they could just have some dog food. You know, I want to eat, and I'm so hungry, I wish I could even have some dog food. I'm sure no one here has gotten to that point in life. If you have, man, more power to you. No one here has gotten to the point where they would want to go to a farm and eat that slop that they feed the pigs. This young son, this lost son, had literally hit the lowest point in his life. And just like anyone in this position, you have a couple options. I mean, you've literally got as low as you can get. I mean, you can't go lower. So you got two options. You stay where you're at, or you make a change. You try to, you try to at least get up and get from, out from rock bottom. Let's read on and see how this prodigal son decides to live his life. You know, if he stays there, or what he decides to do. Um, we'll start in verse 17. And I have this underlined in my Bible because this is a, the mo- one of the most important things when we get away from the Lord. But the Bible says, And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. Anyone that's gotten this low in life you know, doesn't just wake up in the morning, it's like, oh man, I've hit rock bottom, right? We all know that's a gradual process. You know, it took him a while for him to spend all this, all the goods he had. You know, he's living a riotous life, and he gets to the point where he's hit rock bottom. It, it probably took, you know, a long time. Or less, I mean, people hit the lottery, they go broke pretty quick. So it could have been pretty quick, but it didn't happen overnight. If he had a mirror, he probably would have looked himself in the mirror and said, wow, I don't even recognize you, dude. You look completely different from when you left daddy's house. You look all clean, like you, you had your nice clothes on, your dad just gave you this inheritance. He's probably clean-shaven to whatever degree they would have been then. And he probably would have been looking in the mirror and like, man, I don't even recognize you. You, you look like a bum. I mean, you're, eating, you're trying to eat pig slop, and he probably didn't shave his beard. I mean, he probably looked bad. The entire time he's living in the far country, if you would have asked him, like, hey, are you, are you in your right mind? He would have said, like, oh, yeah, I'm living the life I want to live right now. He knew what he was doing, and he, had, he would have thought he had his head on straight. He saw no problems with his actions. You know, this, this portion here, and when he came to himself, that should be the prayers for anybody that we know that's, you know, living this type of prodigal lifestyle or, you know, starting to go down that journey of, you know, hey, I, you know not walking with the Lord or being anywhere near church. You know, we should ask the Lord to help them come to themselves and to recognize where they're at and to start making their way back. This prodigal son came to himself and realized that there is a problem. And he remembered that dad was still at home. And so the second thing we read on to the scene, we start in verse 20. You know, he realizes there's a problem, but that's not enough. You've got to take action. It says in verse 20, but, And he arose and he came to his father. But when he was yet a, far, a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the, father said, and he, and the son said unto the father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight, and no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. Imagine this trip home. You know, imagine the trip out there. I mean, the Bible doesn't say. But if he has an inheritance, I mean, he's not, he ain't broke. I mean, he probably had some type of cart that he wheeled away on to a far country. And he would have had all his stuff, you know, maybe some friends that were around him. But on the way home, he would have had nothing. I mean, that would have been a long walk home. I can imagine him 
walking home, practicing this apology. I mean, he almost repeats it verbatim. I can just imagine him, you know, going down the street, you know, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in thy sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called thy son. I'm sure he could have, would have been repeating that over and over in his head, just wanting to talk to dad and wanting to apologize. And just like a good dad, you know, he's still at home doing what he's supposed to be doing. He's working. But his dad has compassion. He runs to him and he gives him a, a big old hug. And while, his, while this is happening, the, star, the son gives his prepared apology. And this is one of my favorite parts of the story. He says, Father, I have sinned in thy sight and am no more worthy to be called thy son. But if you notice, that's not the whole thing that he said earlier. Earlier he said, Father, I have sinned against thee and against heaven and before thee and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. I'm sure he practiced that part specifically a ton. But man, when he got home, dad didn't care. He gets his apology in and dad cuts him off. Before he can even finish, dad had already forgiven him. You read verse 22. And the father said to his servants, bring forth the best robe and put it on him and put on a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. Verse 23. And bring hither the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found and they began to be merry. Coming home to dad and asking him to forgive him, he was treated as a son not a servant. And the story continues on to this prideful older brother. We're not going to focus any time on him because uh, I want to spend the rest of our time here just supplying what we've learned from the prodigal son here and how we can apply it to our lives and how we can get back to God. And these not only apply for those who are very far from God, right? I mean, if that was the case, I wouldn't be guys, right? You guys are here on a Wednesday night. We'd all say to a degree, you know, I'm close to God. I'm close to the Lord. But I'm sure there's people here tonight that in your heart you've started getting away from the Lord. You know, maybe you've missed a couple days. Maybe you've missed reading your Bible a little bit and you're not caring anymore. Maybe you're, you know, you, you miss church from time to time. It doesn't bother you. It may be something as subtle as something just in your heart or maybe something that's, that's coming out public. But for the rest of the time, like I said, I want to spend some time talking about this. So the first thing you have to do, if you're far from God, whether it's something so small or whether it's something big, you've got to admit there's a problem. You've got to admit that you've drifted away even just a little bit. Just like the prodigal had come to himself, you have to admit there's a problem with where you are. The first step to growth, to fixing any issue, whether it be in your relationship with God, you know, something going on in your life, you have to admit there's a problem. If you don't see a problem with how the way you're living or things going on in your heart, you'll never see a need to fix it. Right? You'll never get saved if you never see the need for a Savior. You'll, need to, you'll never see a, cha- need, a need to see a change of any bad behavior in your life if you don't look at it as bad behavior. Like, I mean, I was joking earlier, but if I'm, if I'm smoking cigarettes all the time and I don't think there's anything wrong with it, I mean, I ain't going to change it, right? I'm going to keep on doing it. You know, if I don't see any issue with looking at stuff on my phone, you know, I'm going to keep doing it because I don't see it as an issue. Ain't nobody know about it. I'm just going to keep doing what I want to do. Just like this prodigal son, we need to come to ourselves, whether we're in the far country or we just left dad's house. You mostly realize that there's something that's a problem when someone tells you so. Right, let's turn to Luke chapter 9. I love this story. So, Jesus was trying to go to Jerusalem and uh, they sent some messages to 
uh, they entered into the village of Samar the Samaritans to make ready for him, and they didn't receive him. Right? The Jews hated the Samaritans. The Samaritans hated the Jews. They rejected Jesus, and James and John get so mad. They're like, Lord, let's call down fire, and let's literally burn them until they die and go to hell and burn forever. And, you know, Jesus, it says in verse 55, but he turned and rebuked them and said, ye know not what manner of spirit you're of. And so a lot of times we don't even know there's a problem going on with our life until someone tells us. And you don't get that only reading your Bible, right? You know, you can get some things of, man, I need to fix this in my life. But you'll mainly learn that you're doing something wrong. You know, if someone tells you about it, or if you come to church and hear preaching, so let me ask you, is there a problem with the condition of your heart tonight? You know, are you cold? Is there a problem with how you're living your private life? You know, we all come to church here, like I, I picked out my nice tan pants and my blue, my blue. I did my hair right before, like I wanted to look good, but we all have a private life. We all have a secret life. You know, how are you living those lives? Is there a problem with how you're living? When's the last time you read your Bible? When's the last time you spent time in prayer? When was the last time you shared the gospel with anybody? When was the last time you came to the altar after a message? When was the last time you tried to work on your marriage? When was, are you a lazy worker? Are you a lazy parent? Are you missing more church than you should? I mean, that, that's just the beginning of a list of a lot of problems that we can have in our life. But those are all, a lot of times, what we consider little things in life but if we're consistently getting those wrong, they add up to be big things. And this is, uh, you know, this is from a guy that, when I was called to preach, uh, Brian Sams. He was, this was his quote. I know he's, he's like gone hay haywire. But he said, sin will take you farther than you wanted to go, keep you longer than you wanted to stay, and cost you more than you wanted to pay. Our gauge of our spiritual condition should be this book right here. You're here four times a week, and someone will preach and teach you from this book. So if you're listening even a little bit, you can tell if there's a problem going on in your life. And if you can't see a problem, well, that's a problem, right? If you come to church and you, and you leave unchanged, that, that's a problem in itself. I'll just tell you that. We should walk away every time we hear someone open the Bible with something we can make better, something we can tweak, something we can fix. So step one is just to realize there's a problem. The, the second reason is, the second point is to, just to turn back, repent. Ask God to forgive you. You know, my favorite portion of the Bible on how to get forgiveness from God is Psalm 51. Uh, I'm not going to turn there, but David commits his sin with Bathsheba, and everything goes down. And if you go read Psalm 51, I mean, it's a great roadmap on how to get forgiveness from God. You know, he realizes the sin is his fault. He humbles himself and asks God to forgive him. I mean, it's nothing crazy or, you know, rocket science, but it's a great roadmap on how to do that. In 1 John 1, 9, uh, we'll go ahead and turn there. I'm trying to keep you guys awake. I know it's a Wednesday night. I'm wore out, too. I'm typing all day. It's a hard life. The Bible says, 1 John 1, 9, a lot of you know it here. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Hey, so you've realized there's a problem. You've got something going on in your life. You said, all right, I need to fix this. You turn around. You ask the Lord to forgive you. And he, the, the best thing ever is God wants to forgive you, right? He's not in heaven just 
You know, he's not bitter, his arms crossed, like, well, you did this, and you're not living the life you're supposed to be living. He wants to forgive you. He loves us, and he wants to have a good relationship with us. And let me be clear, you know, the prodigal came back to his father, but there was never a time that they were not father and son. No matter how far we go from God, he's always going to be our father if you're saved. No different than if I moved across the pond over to to Europe or wherever and I said, I hate my dad, I want nothing to do with him, I disown him. There is a biological relationship that I cannot break. And when God is your father, there there is not a chance you can break that relationship. But you can break fellowship with God. But thanks be to God that he doesn't forsake us and throw us aside. He wants to restore fellowship with you. I think it's interesting that uh, as I've read the Bible, God's not usually in a rush for things, right? And this is all going to come together. You're thinking, where is he even going? Uh, he created the universe in six days. and when he, He's an infinite creator. He could have done it in an instant. Uh, he sent his son Jesus to die long after the fall of man. The Bible says when the fullness of time had come, he sent his son. Second uh, Peter 3.9 talks about how he's long-suffering. He suffers long. He's patient. And he's waiting for, and he delays his judgment because he wants people to be saved. I thought it was really interesting when you were reading in Luke, uh, Luke 15 that the dad was in a rush to get back to his son. And God is in a rush to find lost sinners and he's quick to forgive. Luke 15 said he, the father ran to him and he, as the son's giving his apology, he didn't let him give his full apology. He didn't say, oh, I want to hear more of that. I love how I was right. Because every dad that's got, like, I heard my dad all the time. He, he's like, I wish you just would have listened to me. I'm not a good listener. But he's like, he doesn't do that because he's like, oh, I want to hear more about how I was right. His dad didn't do that. Our heavenly father doesn't do that. He cut him off and he, he forgave him. That was it. We were just one step away from being restored with our Father. You know, we can take a hundred steps away. We can just, God's over here, and we're just living our life. We're walking, and we get far away from God. I don't care. I don't want anything to do with him. And when if we come to ourselves, it's the next step. God's right there. He's waiting for you. So let me ask you. You've admitted there's a problem with your spiritual condition. You've got two choices, just like the prodigal son. You can continue taking steps away and doing your own thing, or you can take your one step back to the Lord. Will you confess your sins and repent tonight? Don't wait to go home. Don't say, well, I'll just do it later this week. Don't say, I'll do it Sunday or I'll do it one day. You know, teenagers don't say, well, next youth trip I'll get that done because I'm in a I'm, I'm on a mountaintop. I'll, I'll get that big thing in my life taken care of then. Take your step tonight. I can tell you that Jesus is waiting for you. He wants to be your friend. He wants to be close to you. And he'll forgive you in a heartbeat. Please turn back to him tonight. And when all that's done, this is my last, my last point, once you've admitted there's a problem, you've taken your steps away from God, whether it's one step or a hundred, you've turned back, and God's forgiven you, you restored fellowship, you are close to God, try to stay close to Jesus. We should be doing everything we can each day to stay close to him. I mean, this prodigal, when he got home, he got the robe, he got the ring, he got his shoes, and he got the fatted calf. When we get forgiveness from God, we start to reap the benefits of being close to him. 
why would you ever want to take that off? Why would you, why, that would have been stupid for him to say, you know, I like all this, but, you know, if a week later, man, I remember how bad that is. I'm leaving. That would have been stupid. But we do that all the time. You know, we get close to God. You know, we have a good Sunday, and we decide, I do that all the time. I decide, man, I'm going to do better. I want to do better in this area of my life. And it's almost like the next day, I just take the robe off, I take the ring off, I get away from God. It happens to all of us. Read your Bible. Pray, come to church regularly, work on your marriage, work hard at work, work on being a good parent, work on walking in the Spirit. Because as much as we walk in the Spirit, like Galatians 5.16 says, it says, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. If we work on these little things each day, our lives trying to walk in the Spirit, the less we'll have to repeat this process. But as soon as we get complacent, just if we take off the robe, take that ring off, we just start heading back to the far country, which again, just conceptually, that's just, that sounds dumb. <laughs> Why would you want to do that? But again, we do it all the time. And so once you've admitted there's a problem with your spiritual condition, you've asked Jesus to forgive you and you're close to God to him, close to God again, we got to do everything in our power to be close to him. But unfortunately, we have to repeat this process all the time, or you should be. Uh, don't ever let there be a long period of time where you're just far from the Lord in your heart. I mean, we come to church here and we open our Bibles, and, but God knows your heart. Uh, I don't know where you're at tonight, but if you're in your heart far away from God, if you're, not, if you're just here physically tonight, you can change that. And if you are here physically, mentally, spiritually, it should just be a second where you're working in your flesh and living in your flesh. Constantly, we need to be working on this. I'm so thankful that the Bible said that God's mercies are new every morning. It's not new every Sunday, every couple weeks. It's new every morning. He's quick to forgive. Why do we wait so long to repent? It should be something that we are working on constantly. Where are you at tonight? Not where is your friends, where is your spouse. Don't be thinking about the person next to you or anyone in your family. Think about yourself. And friend, I encourage you, if you've started drifting away from the Lord, even in the slightest, he wants to be close to you and he wants to have a relationship with you. Admit you've drifted. Ask God to forgive you. Stay close to him and repeat. That's the recipe to have a lifelong enjoyment with the Lord and have a close relationship with them. And uh, if you're not doing that, I encourage you to do that tonight. That's all I have.